Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. And welcome to the Jerry Petito Show. You know, guys, everyone that knows me knows I am the author of I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. Because, guys, 30 years ago, I was a dumbass. But through the grace of God, I can now honestly say, 30 years later, I'm a smartass. Um, and yes, the word ass is in the Bible, at least 40 times, if not more. You know, I'm now a recovery coach, a nutritional health coach. God really changed my life. So now it's my turn to give back. My book looks at addiction differently. It shows you how you are not powerless. You are not powerless over anything, especially with God's help. So having said that, I would like to introduce my guest, Ramon. Ramon, tell everyone your full name, sweetheart. Uh, My name is Ramon Altamirano. So... You have an incredible story as well. Sure, yeah. You know, um, we did we did different drugs. Um, your drug of choice was crystal meth? Yes, it was. Why don't we start with this? Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your life now as a musician and all that? We'll start there, and then we'll go backwards. Okay, well, I'm a, uh, I'm a singer, songwriter, uh, recording artist, um... I've also performed here in Vegas a few times. I have a vinyl record out. I'm <clears throat> remarried. I've uh, been with my wife for now five years, a little bit more than five years. Um, we raised her three children, which two of them are grown now. One's 14, the youngest is 14. And uh, we got dogs and birds and... <laughs> and I mean, life is great. And I and I tell my wife and my family from time to time. I do always remind them, there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be but here with you guys. That's so. beautiful. And I know your music is amazing. We've had an interview with that as well. I think you're sure. you're awesome. Um, and what Thank you're doing is amazing. But things weren't always like this, huh? No. <laughs> no, they weren't. Um, geez. I mean, I'm 40 now. And um, this all started when I was uh, about tender age of uh, 17. Okay. You know, now usually um, young guys, well, I, you know, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, but I grew up in Vegas since I was six. So let's start there. Okay. And, um, you know, usually uh, guys of my ethnicity and uh, growing up in not the so nice sides of towns, you know, a lot of guys like me end up, you know, in either a gang or uh, following people or, you know, just doing stuff that I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been doing. 
and um, a lot of the friends are that I had back then um, were around my age, and a lot of them they like to you know they like to drink and to smoke a lot of weed and stuff like that, and for some reason when I tried weed when I was 16 for the first time, I, I, I didn't really care for it. Um, it's like, you know, starting drinking at 13, I'd rather drink than smoke weed. So drinking was kind of the thing at the time. Wait, up until I was, wait, wait, you started drinking at 13. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I can't imagine like my granddaughter is six, but my grandson is 21. I can't imagine them drinking at 13. Tell us about, start with that. I want to hear about that. Well, you, well, I'm sure there's people out there that can relate. Yeah. Um, usually it's, it's family members or uncles or something like that. But this was my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law is much older than I was because my sister is older than me and she married a guy way older than her. So he was like already maybe 30 years old, 32 or something like that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I used to hang out with him sometimes and, uh, and all we did was drink and the friends that I had, they had uncles and they had family members and we go over to their houses and we kick it and there'd always be alcohol or there'd always be parties. Um, there's also these things they used to call kickbacks where you would, you would, um, I guess you would play hooky, I guess you know what you would call it. Uh, and, um, take off to people's houses where they had, you know, they had these kickback parties where anything goes, you know, and there was always alcohol there. So alcohol was just like always around me. And as far and as far as my mom and everything go, I mean, even at a younger age, uh, I can remember my mom didn't want me out there drinking. But when I was a little kid, you know, mom would give me a little sip of beer or whatever. And, you know, and so I got a taste of it at an early age. I didn't like it. Um, but um, going into my teens, 13, 14, 15, I could be at home and mom's hanging out with friends and stuff like that. And mom was like, okay, you can have a couple of beers as long as you're here with me and you drink with me. See, this is how it was at, back then. And um, it was like an okay thing. You know, but I wasn't allowed to just drink whenever I wanted to or anything like that. It was just, you know, occasions and parties. But then, you know, as I started to drift away from home and not really be at home a lot, I'd be out with friends doing it. So alcohol was the first thing. And mm -hmm. um, being away from home, the reason I was away from home around 17 years old is because, well, <clears throat> my mom, she kind of separated from my stepfather back then and she had a boyfriend and she used to live with him and uh she kind of wanted to just have her own life at that time and of course it was just me and my sister growing up um so my sister was already you know out on her own and i was already 17 so my mom figured you know that's it i don't really have to raise you anymore hmm. so she, her and her boyfriend kind of you know they went and did their thing and i wasn't invited to live so i i was on the street so wait, um, I have to, is it okay if I ask you about that? Sure. Okay, so your mom knew you were out on the street? She thought I was staying at a friend's house. Okay. Um, but I was, I, because of her boyfriend, I was not, I wasn't welcomed because just because of the way I carried myself. Okay. I wasn't welcome to stay with her and her boyfriend. And okay. besides that, she just wanted to live alone with him anyway. 
How did that make so, you feel? Uh, that, I, I mean, I was already, I, I already had low self-esteem. Okay. okay. I mean, I was, a, I was a pretty good artist and I can draw and all that stuff, but I mean, I, I dropped out of school when I was 16. I got into fights so bad that I got permanently expelled at, at ten, on 10th grade. Mm. I was permanently expelled from all the county schools. I couldn't go to school at all anywhere. I was, that was it. I was done. Oh. Um, yeah. And juvie and all that stuff too. I went, I went through all that. So it was, it was just a matter of like having the low self-esteem, having a lot of anger issues, um, and just not being able to control my anger and just going off on anybody. Like, uh, I can mm. remember, um, me and my mom <clears throat> drive, you know, she would be, we would be in the car and she would stop at a light and some guy would flip her off or something. And I would get out of the car at the stoplight, get in the middle of the street and try to call the guy out to fight, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Continue. Right, you know, yep. Yeah. So I was out of control. Gotcha. And, right. So there was times when I did stay at friend's house. Um, and there was times when we did have jobs together and we did pay his mom rent, my friend's mom. And that was, go that was good for a little while. Um, but I didn't know that the friend that I was staying at, was doing meth i didn't know what that was at the time um i i saw him smoking something out of a pipe but i didn't really know what it was you know i was kind of dumb to all that stuff and um <clears throat> i mean i've seen stuff on tv and it looks like crap or whatever but i think i may have asked him you know if it's he says no this isn't that's not what this is and and people would come over and smoke with them and then they would try to offer me the pipe you know they say, do you want to try this? And I would just, something I told me just said, nah, I don't No, I don't care for that. I'll, I'm, I drink, you know, I, that's what I do. So that's the way I was at the time. So he had introduced me to these two other guys, these brothers, um, who wanted to do some recording. Cause at the time I was, you know, I was, I was doing some rapping at the time, trying to record on cassette tapes, you know, amateur, stuff like that and uh, he had these two friends and i ended up taking off with them because um, <clears throat> they were just going from their mom's house to their friend's house and so i kind of just followed these two brothers around and um we ended up at a motel because there's a lot of motels out here in vegas mm -hmm. and uh we ended up at a motel and uh he's like let's go over to this other room over here we got some friends that are going to meet us we're going to go talk with them, so just come with us. So I was like, all right. So we go into this hotel, this motel room, and this lady and this other guy and some other people were there, and they busted out a bunch of bunch of baggies, right, big baggies of this white stuff and a bunch of them. Put them on, laid, laid them on the bed. I didn't know what was going on. I kind of just minded my own business. I was just there and um, didn't really know what was going on, and but I noticed that the two brothers that I was with, they were up to something because they were like looking at each other and then they look at me and I'm like, you know, okay. And they caused a diversion and flipped the blanket up in the air so that all the drugs flew all over the room. And everybody was in hysterics. The lady was mad. I guess she was kind of like the boss lady or something. She was like the main person. So they're like gathering all the stuff. Well, I'll get it for you. I'll get it for you. And of course, baggies ended up coming up missing. Why? Because the two brothers went and stole stuff. So we went back to our room. 
she came banging on our door saying she's going to kill us, this and that. And so we're up in, they're up in there cutting it up. And they're like, we, they're, they were telling the lady, we didn't do anything, leave us alone, this and that. So she eventually left, said they're going to go bring some people. So we're thinking, you know, <clears throat> we got to get out of here. Um, but before we left, they were cutting it up and loaded the pipe and this and that. And that's when I tried it for the first time. <clears throat> okay. And mind you, I had my recording stuff in there. I had a karaoke machine in there. Uh, I, you know, I had a soundboard and stuff like that. I mean, we were in there just, you know, trying to record and make rap tapes or something. And um, so we had to get all this stuff out of there. And I tried it. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit there and tell you guys, you know, you guys already know what it feels like. You, those of you who have done it or maybe still on it. But, um, yeah, there's a feeling of that you feel like you, you have everything under control. Hmm, but uh, you don't. <laughs> you don't. No, you don't. And, um, I mean, I, I'm sitting there writing the rest of my life down. Oh, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. They call it tweaking. And, you know... And I was, and you're, and you're, and you're so convinced in, in your brain that all these things are really going to happen, and you start looking, you start seeing this false positive look on your out on your life, this outlook on your life, like things are going to get better, you know, and it's so crazy. And then four hours later, you start to realize that all that starts to fade away, and then you start to go through this thing that's called coming down, okay. And <clears throat> you're coming down off of the off of the drug, and you know you start to think, man, I need some more because I need, I need to get this thinking and this control back again. Uh, so here we are, we're on the street now, me and brothers, and we're going to different places. They're they're they're, they're stopping different places to smoke some of their friends out, and we would all smoke, and then they would also sell it at the same time. So we're just going to all these different places. They're making money. I'm not making any money. I'm just following them because I, I don't got nowhere to live, you know, because the friend that I was staying with, uh, I I lost my job and uh, had no way to pay his mom anymore, so I pretty much had to leave. Um, so I was on the street with these guys just following them around. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Continue. Wow. So um, around that time, my sister um, came back to live with my mom and my mom allowed her to stay with her. And um, so I would come around more because my sister was there. So I would like go there just to hang out with my sister. And there was a, a guy that lived next door who was around my sister's age. And he would ask me about my sister and this and that and because he was interested in her. And then I guess she had noticed him or whatever. So he would come out and hang out sometimes and sit on the couch and then he would he would put his uh his butane tank on the table and he would you know blow his little glass pipes and stuff and <clears throat> and then he would sit there and pull stuff out and it looked different than the stuff that I was doing it looked more powdery it wasn't as clear you know at the time I didn't know all that stuff was pretty much the same stuff it's just some some forms are cleaner than others but uh, it was basically the same with speed. It's all the same stuff. So, um, you know, one thing led to another because he knew that I was involved and all that. And, and I had already walked the walk, as they say. And um, 
I was starting to sell for him. So I <clears throat> sold for him for a while. I n never was caught or put in jail for any of that type of thing at that time. Um, and, uh, but a couple years later, um, yeah, that's when, you know, a lot of the stealing and stuff started happening and happening and I would steal. And I mean, I, I, I don't want to like make people feel down or anything like that, but usually when some people that may be addicted, they want to hear, they kind of want to hear because I was there and I'll tell you, they kind of want to hear you know, how bad were you? How bad did you get? Yes, because, I agree because, with that. So, because, and of course, I'm not going to tell you how bad I got without telling you how I got out of it. So you have to put one with the other. Um, <clears throat> so I was, I was so bad that, um, you know, my sister didn't want me around. Uh, my mom was the only, my mom would give up on me quite a few times and then take me back. Um, Cause they would catch me smoking and stuff. And I remember getting other people addicted that never, that have never done it before. And then watching them coming down off the drugs, it was kind of sad. And, and they were, you know, I mean, just housewives, women that never did it before because I didn't have money. So I would get them addicted and then have them spend it so that I can smoke it. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did all that stuff. I, I, and the, and then, then the guy, that I used to live with, the one I was telling you guys about, he had a next door neighbor. This kid, this kid was 10 years old. Okay. And that little kid used to come over his house because he used to like playing his Nintendo 64 because that's that was the thing at the time. Okay. So he would come over and play wrestling with him and he got that 10 year old addicted to meth. And the 10-year-old's parents didn't know this. Oh, no. The parents, they kind of did their own thing, too. So they didn't know about it, mm. but they were tweakers themselves, but gotcha. they, didn't, they didn't know what their son was doing. Thank you. Wow. Okay. But, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it's crazy. It's crazy stuff. And he ended up, you know, being an addict for many, many years that, I, that I've heard of. I don't know where he is till this day. Honestly, I don't. <clears throat> but uh, I just heard that he, yeah, you know, he became a full fledged. Uh, I think he did some time too. But um, yeah. But I was, I was so bad. I remember just, I remember four in the morning, three in the morning. Uh, you know, on my knees on the carpet, looking for little rocks that may have fallen to try to put on some foil so I could smoke it. That's about. That's about. One of my that's about my lowest point. Um, so I I've never shoved it. I've never I've never all I did was smoke it. Um, if we had to snort it because we had no way to smoke it, then we would snort it. But um, I've never injected anything ever in my life. And like I said, living that lifestyle of of smoking meth, you really don't drink anymore. But the times when you're coming down and you don't have any more, um, the feeling is so uh, overwhelming and um, unbearable at times. The, the depression is so heavy um, that you'll stare at a tree and wonder 
you know, and, and be mad at yourself for staring at the tree. Hmm. And and you'll be like, why am I staring at this tree? You know, it, it's 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 crazy what it does to you and it how what it does to your brain. And I mean, it just it's I can't you know it's just the way your your way your body handles it, the way your mind is. And there's people that try to claim that they can do it and live a normal life. I've seen it, and and I and in retrospect, I can see now that they're just full of crap because there's no way. Um, and I even heard once by the guy that I was selling drugs for, cause I told him one time, you know what? I want to quit. Cause there, I wanted to quit multiple times. Um, and he told me these, these words and you guys probably heard these words before. And he says, there's no such thing, but there is, yes, there is. Yes, there is. And, and so that may have been true for him. Yes. And that may be what he told the people that he sold to so that he can keep them hooked. But when he told me that, you know, at first it hit me like, man, is that really true? You know, because I've tried and tried and I couldn't quit, you know. And um, as far as drinking went, the only time I would drink is to is to get drunk so that I could fall asleep when I couldn't sleep. Hmm. And, um, you know. Like I said, a couple years later, all the stealing and stuff like that, it, it I wound up doing about five and a half years in prison, revolved around addiction. Wow. So, you know, it's, it, yeah, and, and, and at the time, at the time I was married, I had two sons, and I lost, I lost them, I lost them all, I lost everything. You know, doing that much time, people move on. Wait a minute. I have a question. They won't wait wait for you. But wait, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. You were in prison for five and a half years. Your sons are no longer in your life? No. Yeah, to this day, she... I mean, I I pay child support, and they live in another state. But to this day... And she remarried herself. and And to this day, she doesn't... She doesn't want them to have anything to do with me even though my life has changed she doesn't care how old are they they are one um my the first my first son is already 20 no 19 i think now 19 so it's 19 and 17 right now okay so in in a few years you get in touch with your kids yeah Okay. Oh yeah, when we got out, yeah, I, okay. yeah, I wanted to talk to them and stuff. And no, but I mean now, when they're when they're of age and there's no more child support, you get in touch with your kids, right? Okay. Yeah, right, right, yeah, and I've tried that, and and she pretty much brainwashed them to the point where they they really don't want to talk to me. Okay, but in a few years they might. Okay, keep positive. Well, yeah, and you know, well, yeah that's a, that's a that's another thing too. And yes. like my mom tells me, she says, you know, when they're older and they start to think for themselves, yes. you know, they're gonna really want to know what happened. And and but they they already know that I have a new life. They know that I'm not addicted. They know that I've changed. They know about all that already. They, but they they're still me. too young. They're still too young. Trust me. They're, yeah, I mean, they're doing their own thing and stuff like that. Right. But um. They'll want to know you. Personally, I don't like to dwell on it because um, I end up getting angry because of her attitude. Right. Because 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 she she didn't she doesn't even want 
my mom to have any contact with them. Like that's how, okay. that's how, yeah, she's, and her anger revolves around me just plain, just not being there for them okay. and going to prison and not being there for them. So that's where her anger is at. But she remarried. She's happy. Okay. She had, she had more kids, Okay. you know, plus his kids. So, um, okay. It's, it, it's okay. okay. It's okay. To me, it's okay. And not, and it's well with me. It's well oh. with my soul. Okay. You know, <clears throat> and so there came a point in my life where, you know, some people say, well, you know, when you're in prison, it's kind of easy to quit for a while because it's, right because it's scarce and this and that you know and some people you know some people get some people actually get redeemed in prison yep you know and some people don't some people fake it till they make it you know and then some people try and then when they get out they come home to all the same stuff again and that's kind of where what happened to me so yeah, so so coming home, coming home to the same stuff, you know, I got back into it. Not as much as before, but I just, you know, just here and there. And then I remember just laying, I just, I remember living, with, I was living with my sister at the time and her husband and stuff. And uh, I remember just in the living room because that's where I slept. It had to be, it was in the middle of the night, uh, laying on the couch. And I had the Christian station on. Uh, it's called SOS out here. Okay. And um, they played this song. It was called Jesus, King of Angels. Mm. And um, <clears throat> and I've never heard that song before. And it just, it made me cry. It gave me comfort. I remember not being able to sleep because I was coming down off this stuff. And right then and there... I said, Lord, all these years, I tried to quit. And it took me to finally ad- admit to myself and to my God that I couldn't do it. Lord, you're going to have to do it for me because mm. I can't do it. I can't do this. And that to me, that's what it took. It took me to finally say, I can't do this by myself. Amen. I need you. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to take this away from me. Take it away from me. Don't ever let me have it again. Take away the feeling of wanting it again. The desire, take the desire completely away. And I prayed that prayer. I was on my knees. In the name of Jesus, I prayed that prayer. And three times... After that, I was tempted. And I don't believe God tempts you, but I believe the temptation is there. Yes. Um, so there was a time when I stepped outside onto the patio in the, in the apartments. And I don't know where it came from or who put it there, but there was a whole eight ball sitting on the rocks right by the... Um, Oh my gosh. Right there on our porch. A whole eight ball, just right there. There was nobody around. Oh my gosh. And I remember having a next door neighbor, um, and, um, 
he knew he knew what I was going through. He wasn't addicted himself or anything, but he he was like a support, and uh, he would let me crash over there sometimes <clears throat> when things got crazy at home. But um, so what did you I do picked, with I, the eight ball? I picked, I picked it up. I took it to his house, and I said. I don't know where this came from, but it was right here on the porch. I said, take this and flush this down your toilet right now. Great. Can you do that for me? He said, yep, I got you. And he, he got rid of it. And that was that was the first time. That was the first. It, to me, it was like tests. And then the second time, I was visiting an old friend whom I had sworn was not doing this stuff anymore. He had some people come over, and all of a sudden, he pulls it out. I'm like, he goes, hey, man, I don't do it. I'm just selling it now. And I said, come on, man. He's like, well, he goes, do you want some? And I said, no, I don't. No, I don't. And I left. And I never I never went back to his house again. Amen. That, that was two, part two. That was the second one. Third time. The third time, I was, uh, I think I was at a, a wedding or something like that, a family, some, a family get together. It was, uh, it was another family that was like a friend's family. And I was invited to go and stuff. And there was guys drinking and all that. And, and I remember that night, not even wanting to drink or anything. I didn't want to, you know, I just, I was just there with my friends. And, um, he, I mean, the uncles, some uncles were, they were just drinking and kicking it and stuff. And, you know, they were, I don't remember, they were, they were, there was something that they were trying to show us. I think it was like, um, like some car amplifiers or something like that. They wanted, or some speakers or something. They're like, yeah, come back here in the room. They're, they're back here. Let's see how loud these get or something like that. So we all go back to the room, right? And there's couches inside of this bedroom. <laughs> there's a desk. And um, the speakers are there and stuff. And so one guy's getting all the stuff, trying to hook it up. Another guy sits there, and guess what? He pulls out. He pulls out a pipe. He pulls out. Oh, man. And mind you, at this time, it seemed that each time that I said no, it got easier to say no. Okay, good. So when he pulled it out, I, I, I told my friends, I said, hey, man, I got a jam, man, I got to go. They're like, oh, man, you can stay, this and that. And I said, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to leave. <clears throat> They're like, all right. So I left, and I was never tempted again. I, as a matter of fact, to this day, I've never even seen it physically in my face at all, ever. I let go of certain people in my life. I mean, I, I cut them off. And, and sometimes to some people that may seem harsh, but there's things that you have to do sometimes on the road to recovery. That's right. You have to do it for yourself. That's right. You have to. And there were friends that would call me. At, there was one friend. I'm going to say friends. There was one one guy. And he was, he was cool. He was the coolest guy you could ever meet. He was so nice. He was nice to my family. My family knew him. You know, you would never think that he would ever do this stuff. 
But all of a sudden, he started calling me at 4 in the morning talking about, hey, man, we're going to go do this. We're going to go look at this job. There's this job. We're going to go do this and do that. I'm like, it's 4 in the morning. And I and I, I picked up on and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's, don't tell me he's tweaking. Man. Mm. Don't, don't tell me he's doing this stuff, man. And so I ended up finding out that he was. And I even told him and I told new people that I met. I said, when it comes to that stuff, I am zero tolerance. I don't care who you are. I'm going to cut myself off from you. I don't care. It, no disrespect. Right. But this is this is just something I got to do for me. So they respected that. But they themselves, you know, like, well, this guy ended up, you know, getting hooked and stuff. And yeah, so I, I just stopped taking his phone calls, his texts. He, he didn't even come over. I guess he got the message. But, um, yeah, I ended up cutting off a lot of people in my life. And, um, and, and I had no friends. Um, I just had my family. And getting a job wasn't that hard anymore. And um, I stayed with my mom and my stepdad. Um, my sister had her issues with her now ex-husband and so we all just live together in the house now with my sister's nephews and, and niece and stuff. But my sister's kids, my my nephews and my niece. And um, so that's where my road to recovery was, was starting to look bright again. And um, I'm telling you. And then I look back to the one I, when I prayed that prayer, Jerry. Yeah. I, I, I looked back. And I said that I said, and I said, you know what? I remember trying so hard and just couldn't do it. But when you really, really ask for help, yep, from the Lord, yep, you have to really, truly let go of you trying to do it on your own. You have to let go and let God, as they say. So and, well, let me ask you something, Ramon. We mm-hmm. we've got about ten minutes left. Um. Let me ask you something. For all the listeners out there, right? Yeah. What, like, what is your, what would you like to say to them as far as letting go and letting God and that moment when it happens? What would you like to say to them to give them hope to let go and let God? You guys, I know you guys have all reached a point in your addiction, and I'm telling you the time when you're coming down off that stuff, that's the time you start thinking about how everything you've lost and everything that you that's messed up in your life now. And I know there's a point in time in your heart where you, where you say to yourself, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I cannot go on. I can't, I can't, I can't do this no more. And and for a second you'll see it. For a second you'll see a glimpse in your mind and your spirit. You're gonna see a glimpse of you in the future, clean. And at that moment, when you guys think about how how you really really don't want to want this anymore, that's when it's time to get on your knees. That's when it's time to say. Lord, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to take this away from me because I can't. I can't do it. And really let go. 
and, and really depend and really depend on God. You have to truly, really depend on Him. Like He's physically right there with you. That's how real it has to be to you. And you have to believe that He will do it. You have to believe that He actually is going to do it, and then depend on that and 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 wait on Him and take it one day at a time. And then you'll see the temptation will come. You get over that first one. The second one is going to be a little easier to say no to. Okay. And the more times you say no, it's going to get easier. And God had mercy on me enough to never let me see it again. Physically. Mm. Never see it again in my life. Because there's no one in my life to this day that I know of that is hooked on that stuff or even knows anybody that is. It's amazing. My, my whole family, my, the friends I have now, it's like, it's, it's like it does not exist in my world anymore. And that's, that's what it seems. That's what it seems to me. Now. I know that it, it exists in the world. I know it's out there and I, and I see people on the streets and I can tell that, you know, that they're, they're on it and stuff like that. But I never physically, I never physically see it ever again. And I, I know for a fact, because yeah, of course, you're going to gain all that weight back. You've lost all this weight. You're going to gain it back and you're probably going to get real fat. You know, that's another issue, but because you're not doing that stuff anymore, you're going to gain weight and you may even reach a new, a new temptation. Let's say maybe you got big and you're like, man, not, these these diets aren't working, but I bet if I start smoking again, I'll get real skinny real soon. Yeah, you probably will, but everything you have now, you'll lose it all again. Mm. And yeah. I can I can't bear to even think of losing my wife or my kids that I have. Now, I cannot. It makes me want to cry to even think about it. So it's out of the question. So I'm telling you guys. You're going to reach a, a, a moment, a point in your life where you know damn right you do not want this for yourself anymore. Cry out to God. And it's, you know what? I'm a, some people don't believe this, but you got to kind of, you got to kind of, you know, God wants you to reach out to him. God wants you to really truly depend on him. So don't be like, well, God, if you can do it for me, if you would. No, no, no. God, do this for me. That's because, right. Because God wants to do it for you. He's waiting there right now. Right now, wherever you're at right now, he's right there right now saying with his arms out, just give it to me. I'm ready to take care of this for you. Just give it to me. That's right. And that, that's my message to you guys. Wow. Ramon, first of all, I want to thank you for this incredible interview. I want to thank you for that message of hope because I feel the same way you do. I have no desires. It's not my life. I don't know anyone... It's no no part of me at all. Right. Um, you know, I let go and let God, and there he was. Um, I want to thank you for pouring your heart and soul out in this interview because people will be touched by it. Um, you're amazing. God bless you. God bless your family, man. I love you. Um, I yeah, would like, God is amazing. Man. God's God amazing. Is, God's amazing. Right. Um, I would like to close out this show. I'm going to read a poem 
I wrote in my book called Change Your Choice. Okay, and that's how we'll close it out. So again, Ramon, I really, really want to thank you. What an inspiration you are. So here we go. Thank you, Jerry. Oh, you're welcome, sweetheart. Change your choice. I had a life-changing moment that I knew had to be. The only way to change things was to first start with me. So I looked in the mirror and woke up one day and thought to myself, I needed to pray. So I asked God to change me, to help me stay strong, to clean up my mess, to right what's been wrong. I cleaned up my diet. I cleaned up my room. I cleaned up all habits with this old dirty broom. I kept going forward and never looked back. I refused to derail, stayed on the right track. I realized my worth and all that did matter through my selfish behavior, the lives I had shattered. I finally decided at 30 years old to stop abusing my body, my mind, heart, and soul. My life-changing choice that I had once made, going on 30 years now, guys, my debt has been paid. So you read all my thoughts on how to stay clean. It's all or nothing, my friend. There's no in-between. To live or to die is a choice you must make. Your life is not worthless, and you're not a mistake. How many times are you going to doubt yourself? How many times are you going to repeat the same mistakes before you finally experience enough pain that you want to make a change? How many times? How many times you going to tell yourself you're giving up? How many times you gonna write it down and rip it up? How many times have you invested in luck? You find that penny face and heads down will turn around and flip it up. Don't you believe in the fake, believe in your faith. Now watch how everything just seems to fall into place. And you ain't even gotta try, it's like you win in the race. Cause every time you praise his name, you'll be receiving his grace. Embrace, now keep me from the wicked, protect me from the snares. And help me spread this message to anybody who cares. Cause I done wrestle with them lions and tigers and bears. I'm wearing the armor of God, intruders beware. How many times have you prayed in the name of? How many times have you shown in the same love that he shows to you? How many times? How many times? How many times have you prayed in the name of? How many times have you shown in the same love that he shows to you? How many times? How many times? How many times you gonna lie to yourself? How many times you've been denying yourself? How many times? How many times? How many times you look inside of yourself and you're ashamed of what you see, but you don't ask for no help? You'd rather drown in misery and take that rum off the shelf. You pour another shot and blame it on the hands you were dealt, but you're forgetting about the pain that all your family felt while you were running in them streets like a slave for a bag of dope. Your parents worried that their baby might not make it home. They lie awake and they wait and they crying by the phone, praying that they don't get the call that the baby is gone. I know it hurts, but everything that I'm speaking is true. I only say it cause I know it, I used to be you But I done made it and I'm grateful I'm one of the few Now I'm headed back just to say that you can make it too How many times have you prayed in the name of? How many times have you shown in the same love that he shows to you? How many times? How many times? How many times have you prayed in the name of? How many times have you shown in the same love that he shows to you? How many times? How many times? doesn't matter how many times you fail 
It doesn't matter how many times you almost got it right. People aren't going to keep track or care about your failures, and neither should you. It's more important that you learn from them, that you grow from them, and that you keep pushing forward. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many times you got it wrong. What truly matters is how many times you get it right. It doesn't matter how many times you've been beaten down It doesn't matter how many people believe in you now All that matters you believe in yourself Cause there's a reason that you're breathing and he's keeping you round And everything that you've been going through is part of a plan But I know it's hard to trust it and you can't understand Believe me, we crash and we burn, we live and we learn If you could only see the blessings that we get in return You'd be like, I shine through the storm and the struggle Struggle times when I know I'm in trouble Trouble How many times have you prayed in the name of? How many times have you shown in the same love that he shows to you? How many times? How many times? How many times have you prayed in the name of? How many times have you shown in the same love that he shows to you? How many times? How many times? How many times? Never give up on yourself. Stop doubting yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will either. As long as you have air in your lungs, you still have a chance to get it.